Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that post next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mears. They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Super Bowl Sunday edition of the Anik and Florian podcast. That's a first, February 13th, 2022. It's episode 336 of the Anik and Florian podcast. I have not slept since the pay-per-view. 45 minutes on the plane, so <laughs> apologizing off the top today. What's up, kid? What's going on, dude? I'm, I'm sure you'll sound more coherent than me anyway. So, As the show goes you. on, I expect to, to, to find my flow, and uh, you're wearing my favorite sweatshirt of yours, so that's a good thing. <laughs> Coming up today, we're going to recap the goddamn hell out of UFC 271. When I'm underslept, I swear a lot. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll have that in the back of our mind and not make this so unlistenable for uh for zach candido's kids and everybody else out there um but we will recap ufc 271 ray longo will help us with that man is he fired up about a lot of things i talked to him for about 15 minutes this morning 
Ray Longo will join us and uh, also picks on UFC Fight Night uh, coming up this weekend from that little UFC apex. Uh, there's a new main event, Johnny Walker and Jamal Hill. Uh, today's episode of the Anakin Florian Podcast is brought to you by Private Internet Access, America's number one VPN service. So I learned something new when we signed with PIA. I didn't know this before, that even in incognito mode, your devices are still storing data and selling it to the outside world. I was kind of blown away, but fret no more. We got private internet access to encrypt and reroute our internet activity and even offer us the ability to surf the internet as if we are in one of the 75 countries available. So for example, I'm here in South Florida. Could appear that I'm from West London watching the Premier League with a few shekels on the game, maybe surf for cheaper prices from Netflix in Eastern Europe to save a bit. Kenny, as we sit here today, PIA has come through with a generous offer to our listeners, a whopping 83% off deal that features four free months on a three-year sign-up. You got 30 days to decide if the product is for you or your money back. And with over 30 million downloads worldwide across all platforms like Windows and Mac, we know PIA doesn't receive many of those money back requests. All you got to do to back your internet privacy is head to privateinternetaccess.com slash Kenny Florian or check the link in the description and get linked up with PIA today. Take back your internet privacy. Do it today. PrivateInternetAccess.com slash Kenny Florian. All right. No time to waste. Super Bowl's coming up in a few hours. Let's get to headlines. Headlines. It's time for headlines. I have some very urgent and important breaking news. Headlines. On the John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. There's a lot to talk about at UFC 271. I feel like we're already chasing the clock, Ken Flo. So let us get to it. We will start with the main event. Fourth successful middleweight title defense for Israel Adesanya over Robert Whitaker. 48-47 times two. Dissenting judge had it 49-46. I say fourth defense because that's the number. I know he corrected me on the stage because he believes defending that interim belt against Robert Whitaker in their first meeting in October of 2019 should count as a defense. I go with the history books. Books. That's neither here nor there. Ken Flo, um, I don't want to necessarily lead with your scorecard, but um, what did you think of the middleweight championship rematch? You know, listen, I, I thought it was a highly technical fight, as I expected. I also expected, uh, you know, and, and this isn't uh, a brain surgery here, uh, that Whitaker would largely attack with, with mostly a grappling game plan. That's what he was trying to do. Wasn't always successful there. Um, again, I think the story for me was Adesanya's ability to dictate range, his ability to counter-strike, and I think he was leading the dance for, I don't know, the majority of the fight, certainly. He was the one moving forward. He was very confident with all of his long-range weapons. And even in tight, uh, I thought he was looking very good. And I thought he showed some really good composure in some of those uh, situations where Whitaker was trying to take advantage on the ground or when he was hopping on his back. Right. Uh, I, I thought it was a solid performance. And, you know, we live in an age where the internet is always telling us things that we should be worried about or concerned with or up in yeah. arms about. I had no idea that there were a lot of people out there that actually thought Whitaker won the fight. Did right. he fight well? Absolutely. Were yes. some of those rounds close? Absolutely. Did yes. he win the fight? There's no way. Um, and, uh, you know, I understand Whitaker fought hard. Uh, I know he felt that uh, perhaps he should have won the fight, uh, but he didn't win the fight, in my opinion. Yeah. I right. thought it was pretty right. clear for Adesanya four rounds to one. Right. And candidly, from a television production standpoint, there's no suspense from the truck. You know, we're proceeding as if it's going to be Adesanya on the scorecards. And I say that with yeah. all due respect with Robert Whitaker. And of course, my opinion happens to align with yours. Maybe I'm 
thinking more 48-47 than 49-46, but I really don't know. There were a lot of close rounds in there. I mean, I think certainly rounds one and five were easy to score. Justin Gaethje among those who thought Robert Whitaker won rounds three, four, and five. I certainly didn't see it that way. I thought Whitaker won round five, clearly. But I do believe with Israel Adesanya fights, we end up in this space where we're talking about scorecards because there is a segment of the masses, whether it's the fan base or otherwise, that maybe is seeing something differently. And and the majority of my contemporaries, if I can call you fighters my contemporaries, um, you know, thought this was a clear win for Adesanya, even though there were some close rounds in there. I will just say my opinion is that Robert Whitaker didn't do a whole lot when he was able to get the takedowns. He was four for 10 on those attempts. He had three minutes and 40 seconds of ground control time. Uh, he was not credited with a submission attempt. And I just didn't see him realizing a lot of success in the grappling world. Now, maybe some fans saw that differently. And I can understand if you thought 4-1 was too wide a scorecard. But I'll admit to being surprised when Robert Whitaker hopped on a hot microphone and said he thought he won the fight. You know, Izzy came over to the broadcast booth. I mean... Do you think it would have been a robbery if Adesanya had lost? Because you know I don't like that word, but I thought he would have been kind of hosed. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely it would have been a robbery, John. And I think you're spot on in regards to the grappling department. You know, if you are getting outstruck and you win, you know, I don't know, five seconds, ten seconds of a grappling exchange and you get right back to your feet, did you win the fight? Right. I would say if that was completely even, John, on the stand-up uh, and then Whitaker maybe hit one of those takedowns and had control for a few seconds and, you know, force out a son to get back to his feet, I would say, you know what, absolutely, yeah. Whitaker probably won that round. Those weren't even rounds before those grappling exchanges, and Whitaker, did, for me, didn't show total control for a long enough amount of time where I would say he won the fight. And I would go even further. Like, you know, you look at the statistics, right? And statistics right. don't always tell the story, but you look at round one. Adesanya uh, scored 18 to 34 strikes. Whitaker only scored nine, nine of 21. So he doubled, uh, you know, the, the, the striking there uh, of Whitaker. And it goes on and on and on. The only round where Whitaker landed more, uh, actually, Whitaker, I don't think. Whitaker may have landed a little bit more in round four. He landed one more strike more than Adesanya in round four. And on top of that, you know, he was landing jabs and like kind of uh, slap hooks. He wasn't landing devastating kicks to the body like Adesanya was. He wasn't landing heavy kicks to the body like Adesanya was. He wasn't landing those crosses and those big shots, um, you know, with the cross hand, with the backhand. So, I don't know. I, I thought it was pretty clear for Adesanya. Um, uh, yeah. Again, Whitaker fought hard. I think. I think you know Bisping showed really good awareness talking about that a little bit. He said, "You know what? I think we're putting so much emphasis on Whitaker landing these jabs because he had no success in round one that we're giving him more credit. I'm not sure he actually won round two. I'm not sure he's winning round three. Right. right. So it becomes a story of like, hey." Now it's becoming a closer fight. Doesn't necessarily mean that Whitaker is winning the fight. And, right. you know, uh, for better or worse, obviously the the, the fans are going to go off of, you know, the commentary of what's being said yeah. and all that yeah. stuff. And I, I thought, I thought um, you know, uh, D- DC might have been a little giving a little bit more credit for some of the grappling exchanges um, to, to Whitaker, perhaps. So, like, Justin Gaethje is a friend of mine. And... <clears throat> 
if I were to say to him, like, I thought there was a chance that Adesanya was up 4-0 going into round five, he would be like, dude, you're nuts, you know? And I'm okay with that, right? Like, Ray Longo's going to come on here, and he's going to ask for all the striking numbers, so we'll give him some more of those because uh-huh. he thinks this fight was very close. And uh, uh-huh. big ups to Robert Whitaker, like a great effort, and I hope that he can take some solace in this performance. And the fact that he he likely did win two rounds, certainly on two of the three scorecards that actually matter in all of this, he won two rounds. You know, he did close the gap, I guess, to whatever degree. Um, and I liked his conviction at the post-fight press conference, that of Robert Whitaker saying, you know, I'm going to just destroy everyone else in my path and set up a third fight. And, you know, I think he has a great chance to do so. You know, um, it's not out of the realm of possibility, right? We talk about Shevchenko, Nunez, and one fighter being down 2 0. Certainly Volkanovsky and Holloway, and Max is going to get a third opportunity. So, you know, I still believe these are the two best middleweights in the world. We'll get to Cannonier a little bit later. But, you know, in terms of Whitaker, I think Chael Sonnen said on the post fight show, Kenny, uh, that he would like to see him move up to light heavyweight. Now, I don't know if he meant move down to welterweight or if he really wants him at 205. And hey, there are a lot of winnable fights for Robert Whitaker at light heavyweight. I'm telling you that. He is a former welterweight, right? Obviously, switching weight classes is a good way to push the reset button on your career. But I do think for Robert Whitaker, there's a fight out there. Um, If Sean Strickland doesn't want to wait, maybe a main event there. I do think we're going to see Robert Whitaker back in not only a championship setting, but in a middleweight championship fight. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, listen, you know, light heavyweight isn't the strongest division in the UFC right now. Could he win a fight or two? Maybe. Uh, Should he go up to 205? No, that's absolutely uh, absolute lunacy. Uh, (laughs) Doesn't make sense. Could he go down to welterweight? Yeah, sure. He was there before, right? Yeah, and he'd be a big big welterweight and could really do some serious damage, man. I I, I love the way Whitaker fights. He's a smart fighter. He's very technical. He's so composed, even in the worst of moments. Uh, His ability to battle back after that first round was impressive. Um, and you know, he, he had his moments. I just don't think he scored with enough, um, power with enough, like, I agree, uh, you know, round changing moments. He didn't have enough of those, unfortunately, in in my opinion, even, even in round two, I, I I don't think he showed enough control and Adesanya, I think went right back to work as soon as they went back to the feet. Here's the other thing is you, if, if I were to ask you who was actually leading the dance throughout those rounds. Right. It was Whitaker who right. was moving back. It was Adesanya who was moving forward, who was stocking. So it, that didn't even look good, right? So where Gaethje is coming from and, and what his justification for winning those right. rounds is, right. I don't know. I just watched it for a second time just to make sure I wasn't crazy because right. you know, right. hearing right. what the internet was saying, you'd think it was a lot closer. I, I was actually maybe even more uh, convinced that Adesanya yeah. won four rounds to one. And now I'm going to really piss people off. But I think a lot of people out there, if they had to save a gerbil's life, they would pick Hamzat Shimaev to beat Robert Whitaker, Israel Adesanya, and Kamara Usman. Dude, he's the guy with the skills. He's the guy with the skills, right? Based on what we've seen so far, uh, not only does it seem like he's got some good power on the feet, but of course the thing that stands out most is that very dominant wrestling style. So uh, that is absolutely a a fight that uh, would be interesting in the future. Um, Still needs more experience to to, to make sure that's the case. But yeah, based on what, what I've seen, John, he just might be the worst matchup for Adesanya so far. Luke Thomas has had a lot to say about Adesanya's legacy. And we talked a lot about this. And even on the top of the pay-per-view, what a second win over Robert Whitaker would mean for Israel Adesanya. 
Kenny, he's closing in on Habib, man. I mean, he's 22-0 and 0 as a middleweight, right? And I was asked a lot about the Adesanya Anderson Silva legacies leading into this fight, and I said, he got to beat Whitaker twice before we even open that can. And now I think he pried the thing wide open, right? I mean, he hasn't cleaned out the division. Cannoneer, Strickland, others are lurking. But this is one of the greatest championship runs in UFC history, and you know, say what you want about the way he's doing it. I mean, you and I appreciate it. It seems like a lot of people maybe out there don't, but um, this is a Hall of Famer here, you know, for sure. Oh, I think so. I mean, you look at the the level of competition. I mean, look what Whitaker has done to guys like Yoel Romero and, and, and a lot of the other guys that he's defeated. This is a former champion with a lot of skills. Um, and Adesanya just looks light years ahead when it comes to the striking department. I mean, he's, he's so sharp. He's so good. The only thing I would like to see Adesanya change. And this is the one thing where he almost got into trouble is when he's leaning back with his head, he has such good head movement, but when he leans back, he kind of gets in a square stance where his base might be compromised with follow-up shot he can get knocked down that was the only thing where i thought he needs to kind of refine a little bit but yeah man uh adesanya is just phenomenal to watch man he's so clean and you know we, we get used to watching a lot of these brawls john you know michael chandler uh was talking about how he would like to see a champion like izzy you know really get in there and throw down i forget what can it i read the quote is. Yes, it's in my script. All right. Awesome. Perfect. Um, Two tweets from Michael Chandler. I was texting with him this morning. I was like, you're savage with that Twitter machine last night. He's like, you know, (laughs) he's a really good person. Um, So first tweet, we we playing a game or are we fighting? Asking Mm -hmm. for a friend, you know, Um, and I don't see anything. Right. See, that's the thing. It's like we call it like we see it. So I get off the air to your point off the top of the show. And I have no idea that any segment of the masses well, I guess when Whitaker started saying he thought he won the fight, I'm like, oh, yeah. boy, half the fans think so, too. Here we go. Right, um, right. Here's the quote. People are going to hate me today. I love all of you. I'm here for you. Free content <laughs> for life. Trust me, I love Izzy, but we've got, but have, we have gotten to a point where a dominant champ just needs to stand there, throw a few shots per round, and he will not lose unless he gets caught, and he'll always get the nod. Izzy got paid on his last contract. Go fight. Don't you dare spar. And then he goes on to say, I'm not advocating banging over tactically fighting. All I'm trying to advocate for is a spirit of inflicting dominance in the face of danger. Don't play it safe. Take more chances. I don't need you to plod forward with reckless abandon, but have a little anger in your heart. Okay. So, perfect. Um, now, I I don't know. Like, do, do, do emotions play a part in a fight? Are we supposed to have anger in our heart? Are we supposed to be nice in our heart? Are we supposed to be – isn't it just a fight? Like, do emotions – should emotions even be in the octagon, you know, in a fight, in a, in a, in a highly uh, viewed fight? I don't think so. So that I don't think is accurate. And right. the other thing I would like to ask uh, uh, Mr. Chandler about, who, who is a phenomenal fighter and, and a true warrior, but I would like to ask him, so what's the? how would you distinguish a tough guy, a street fighter, a tough guy street fighter from a professional mixed martial artist? Right. Because if you're out there to just like be courageous and throw down and have an action packed fight, um, I don't know. Anybody can do that. I think anybody can go out there and just start throwing down. If you're tough and courageous, anyone could do that. I think you have to also look at what is the style of fighter? Is Adesanya a Mike Tyson? Is Mike Tyson a Habib? Right. You know, they're all different. They're all different. They fight differently. They have different skills. You have to utilize what you have and you have to fight 
um, you know, in, in the style that you're used to and, and kind of bring who you are to the table. Um, and the other thing is, you know, for, for Chandler, I think his fights are indicative of his mentality, of what he's tweeting about, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Right. yeah. But he made a lot of poor decisions throughout those fights. He could have yeah. won those fights. If a world championship for, in the UFC, right. He could be a world champion right now if he decided to actually fight smart. And, and that's no insult to him, but he didn't fight smart. He didn't try to win. He decided to just put his heart out there on his sleeve and, and start throwing down. And now he is 0-2 in his last couple of fights in the UFC, right? And doesn't have the great best start. So I don't know. Um, it's it's tough to say. And I think for Adesanya, he fought the right approach. And for Whitaker, I mean, are you supposed he tried to he tried to take the fight to Adesanya the first time around. He went out and was aggressive. What happened? He got knocked out with the quickness. Okay, you, 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 one doesn't just attack aggressively against an Adesanya, one yeah. of the premier counter strikers right. that we've right. ever had inside the octagon. So yeah. again, you have to be smart. You have to be intelligent in the octagon. That is what separates us from wild animals. And yeah, you're right. And the most dominant round of this fight was round one, right? And you're certainly not trying to get off to the start that Whitaker got off to, right? I mean, that visual yes. on the stool after round one, I got a good quote for you here as we wrap the Chandler thing from uh, the great boxing coach, Daya Davis, son of the late Howard Davis, uh, who uh, has been in Dustin Poirier's corner forever. He commented after ESPN's MMA Instagram account posted the Chandler thing. The difference in the mindset, you know, he's referring to Chandler. This is the difference in the mindset of an entertainer and a winner. Ambulance ride or walk out on your own too. And even though Adesanya is not attached to the outcome per se, he really is able to distance himself from a loss, you know, even though he's only had one of those. Maybe it would be harder for him to swallow a middleweight loss than, than the loss to Jan Bohovic. Sure. But he's attached to his legacy, right? So, like, going one-and-one one against Robert Whitaker, not an option for Izzy. You got to mitigate right. some risk. He did get hit with a couple shots, which he acknowledged, you know. Um, but largely his takedown defense, his sprawl, beautiful grappling defense held up. Robert wasn't able to attempt a submission, right? Did not get a submission attempt. Um, you know, I thought it was pretty clean for Adesanya. And I do look forward to going back and watching those middle rounds. And I look forward to the back and forth. Like, I will never, ever in my life get on somebody else for having a dissenting opinion than mine. I mean, DC and I disagree on so many things. Me and Longo, right. like... I mean, what, Longo, if he answers a bell in five minutes, could get pretty interesting. Um, do you have anything else for us on Adesanya Whitaker? I know we're going to get to it more with uh, with Raymond. Well, you know, again, the sign of an artist, the sign of an elite fighter is the guy that can land and not get hit, right? I, I mean, that, that's what that's why Floyd Mayweather is, is largely regarded as one of the greatest boxers ever. You can't hit the fucker. You can't hit the guy. He hits you. He never gets hit. Yeah, man. I hit you five times. You hit me zero times. Doesn't matter. I hit you five times. You didn't hit me once. You didn't touch me. I'm going to go home. I'm still going to look good. I'm going to have my brain five years from now. Yeah. You yeah. know, and, and that, I think, is so impressive. It is so hard to do at an elite level. And Adesanya is doing it. I totally agree. I'm just remembering that I owe this audience a shoey after Taichu oh, yes. So <laughs> I do have... Modelo, brewed for those with a fighting spirit, chilling in the fridge. I will get a sneaker and a towel. My only thing is I'm not trying to destroy my office, but I will do a shoey during the Ray Longo Minute today. Uh, on the back end of a cup of, say, coffee, so my stomach's going to be in great shape. We'll go coffee, <laughs> beer here on the Anakin floor. Is it a clean shoe, John? 
Please say it's a clean shoe. Uh, it's not a clean shoe. One. I did. Oh, I wow, used okay. a brand new shoe on the podcast last time. I felt like that was disingenuous to do that again. It's a dirty Reebok that I'm going to throw away after I do the shoey with us. All right, fine. Whatever so tied to Ibasa. You know, I felt like he was going to cash as an underdog going into this fight, you know, and part of that was based upon where I felt like both fighters were at. And uh, I'll try to be efficient with what I say here, but in our fighter meeting with Derek Lewis, Bob Perez was talking about Derek's mindset going into UFC 265 against Seattle gone. And there were a lot of things at play with Derek Lewis. You know, one thing he said in his media scrum and he repeated with us in his fighter meeting that this was the anniversary of his release from prison, that date at UFC 265. And that just weighed on him heavily, the juxtaposition of being out of prison and then being wrapped with a championship belt. Like, look where my life is. He was overwhelmed so much so that during the Seattle gone fight week, couldn't hit mitts like he wouldn't hit mitts. The only time they could get him to sweat the whole week was just when he had to cut weight, you know, so he has battled a lot of things mentally. Then in our fighter meeting this time around, he's in a much better place. But when we start talking about a run to the world championship again, he starts talking about losing 35 pounds or so and becoming like a 245 pound man because he thinks that's the only way he's going to realize a world championship. And the dovetail with that is the worry about cardio, the worry about getting tired in a fight. And on the other side, you have Tai Tuivasa that's finally all in, that finally has gotten rid of the negative emotions from training, that is embracing the wrestling and the grappling and understanding everything that it takes to to compete and maybe compete 15 minutes in a really hard fight. And uh, yeah, man, he had to absorb a couple of lunchboxes, but sorry for the long wind. Huge, huge win for Tai Tuivasa. Yeah, it certainly was. Um you know, this is what happens when you have heavy, heavyweights just throwing down. Um, anything can happen. Uh, what's most impressive about that is the fact that he threw a strike, which I'm a big fan of, the elbow, from such a short distance. And you don't need a heck of a lot uh, of space in order to land an elbow. And for a heavyweight, you, you don't need a, a heck of a lot of a swing to get that knockout. It's, it's how you land with weight that timing and where you land uh, and the fact that Tuivasa was able to battle back from some scary moments where he looked like he was going to get knocked out uh, and hang in there, I thought was extremely impressive. Of course, we know about Tuivasa's ability to withstand punishment and how tough he is, but this was a huge win for him, man. Unfortunate for Derek Lewis. Both of these guys are so likable. You, you know, you don't want to see either of these guys lose, uh, but this was huge for Tuivasa who now, I think is showing a guy who is maturing, who is developing as a fighter. And that's a great sign and must be a great sign for his coaches as well. I don't know if you can speak to the ceiling for Tai Tuivasa. He came into this fight number 11 in the world. Derek Lewis was three. So he's going to be top three and he's going to be on the short list of championship contenders. Um, we talked a lot about him going from three and zero in the UFC to three and three and now eight and three with five consecutive wins. Um, yeah. Based upon what you've seen, um, how do you think he stacks up against the uh, the champion in Ghana or Stipe Miocic or John Jones or anybody else near the top? You know, um, geez, I, I think it's a tough fight for him uh, breaking into, you know, that top three. I think it would be very difficult to beat a guy like a John Jones or a Stipe Miocic uh, or Francis Ngannou for that matter. Um, I, I think he may have a better shot. Um you know, uh, against the guys that are below that. I think he could definitely beat a lot of those guys. And, of course, he has the power to land that one shot and, and, and knock out anybody in the world in the heavyweight division. But as far as overall skills, 
I want to see a little bit more from him. Yep. You know, uh, as far as the grappling skills, I thought he showed, you know, decent ability to, to get back to his feet. Um, could he do that against a Stipe Miocic? Probably not. Against a John Jones? Probably not. I think it'd be a tough uh, reach disadvantage against someone like a John Jones, an experience advantage. Um, and then Francis Ngannou, I think, would still have the speed and power advantage there. But um, I, I do like the trajectory in which he's headed. He's showing he's showing maturity. He's showing improvement. Uh, and I think another fight, we may see him in a title fight. I guess I just wonder, like, when you get to this point, now you've won the big fight. And he's paid well, right? Like, he's obviously becoming a star. He has a lot of uh, traction domestically in the United States. But it's like, if you go all in right now with Tuivasa, right? Like, he's going to party his ass off for four weeks straight at the Kingswood Pub, you know? <laughs> and I think if instead he partied at the Kingswood Pub for two weeks and then really right. started trying to become the heavyweight champion of the world, like, there's so much athleticism within this guy. This guy. I mean, he was a good, good rugby player. I agree, dude. I think that's the the sneakiest thing about him is, you know, you look at him uh, and you don't think he's very athletic, but man, is he athletic? He absolutely is. He's flexible. He moves well. It seems like he's learning very well and he's learning very quickly. So I couldn't agree more. You know, I, I was never able to do that uh, a party for a couple weeks. I was also just kind of uh, wanted to get back and train as quickly as possible. But um, yeah, I, I would like to see that approach as well, man. You know, uh, Partying, you know, drinking all that stuff, you know, really can deteriorate, deteriorate you, especially as you get older in age. It's harder to recover. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of fighters out there that that do a lot of drinking. I, I, I don't think it's the best thing, especially in a sport where, you know, it, it could affect your brain and your recovery. You're training like a madman. Yeah. Well, why, why would you why would you like to beat up your body on both ends? I don't know. Right. I mean, he's so good for the UFC. And like, I certainly like don't want to change the total package that is tied to Ivasa. He's also dealing with things that we as Americans aren't dealing with right now in terms of lockdowns and everything else. And yeah. he also has decided to take his training camp to the UAE, which means he's away from his son and so now mm. i think he'll go home for a while so there are challenges there but i guess it's a long way of saying i would like to see him maximize his potential you know because for sure now i mean he could really change his life i mean he could become a multi-millionaire you know i mean they, they heavyweights are paid handsomely you know he's headlined for the ufc at least once you know um all right plenty more coming up on ufc 271 let's get to the ray longo minute now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. And the great Raymond <laughs> Peter Longo now joins us live. How you doing? Wow, you're filling up that screen today, aren't you? Oh, man. I'm, I'm we are getting every wanna, video. I don't, wanna, I don't wanna scare anybody, John, but let me ask oh, you, you, you guys have one of those dials on the wheel you just spin, and then we decide when we're doing the podcast. Is that what happens? <laughs> Is that what we do? It's like it's like freaking musical chairs of podcasting. Whenever the music stops, that's what time we do the show. Explain. I, I don't even know what to say, this fucking guy. I mean, we're trying to coordinate a bunch of different schedules, right? Yeah. So, I mean, you can you can start levying your blame at Cody off the air. Um, really? Because he has hey, some Monday Tomorrow's Valentine's Day. Come on. A Monday obligation to not disappointing my girl. What is your dream time slot for the program before we get to the actual <laughs> content that people are here for? 
I'm good whenever you guys okay. want to do it. All right. I try, I try right. to work around you guys. Well, it's good to see you. Are you, you know, growing your hair out again? You know what a team player is. That's I think that's right. what I'm doing right, right now. Are you growing your hair out again? No, definitely not. It should, my, okay. I'm getting I mean, cut tomorrow. My hair just grows like stinkweeds. Right. I don't know what to say. <laughs> Looks like he's got fucking Crisco in his hair right now. <laughs> at least you know it's not a at least you know it's not a wig because it's right. all over the place. <laughs> You know, you see those guys, their hair doesn't even move. Yeah. Like a dead giveaway. So um, I said on these airwaves last week that if Ty Tuivasa won, that I would do a shoey. Yeah. So I saved that for, for the start of the Ray Longo minute. Oh, um, I love it. But I'm curious what you feel uh, about Ty's performance. I'm going to grab my Modelo brood. For yeah. Oh, my Lord. Uh and uh, is there any is there any shame is there any so, shame left in this podcast at all? Well, I mean, uh, no. like I, you know, a, a bet is a bet. It's the biggest win of his career, and uh, yeah. I'm not from the area, but I'm doing it for uh, well, for I my like Aussies. This. Oh, you're going big screen on me for this? I mean, I don't need the attention. I was no, we want a big screen. All right. Ah, <laughs> oh, the spit. Here we go. You got to make sure the whole beer, Laura Sanko, gets into the shoe. And notice it's not leaking at all, which is a good thing. <laughs> you guys hear it's me? A good soul. It's a good soul. We can. Yes. So last time I did this, um, the beer spilled all over me. We'll try to do it better. We'll bring the microphone down a little bit. I think that's, that's part cool. of it, though. All right, here you we gotta go. You got to drown yourself. Here's in. Chewy number two. Go, 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 go. <laughs> yeah, John. Do it, John. <laughs> Make sure you get the shoelaces too. And he's ready for the Super Bowl. What a what a heel, oh. Kenny. Yeah. That's all I gotta oh. say. What a heel. What a heel <laughs> on that shoe. Started spilling a little bit like last time, but we survived better. Maybe we'll catch a little buzz here if we're not careful. So uh what did you think of Ty Tuivasa's performance? Absolute dynamite. What a beautiful performance. You know, he accepts the responsibility of getting hit and coming back. And I think that's the difference in the fight. The guys, he could take a punch and he knows how to give a punch really well. So um, I like him. I uh, like his chance. I like his chances with anybody. I like the chance to give him a hug in the uh, in the bar after the fight. I mean, can you imagine what it's going to be like? The heroes welcome for that guy. Going home to the Kingswood uh, th Pub. I hope I got that right. Man. That was a huge fight for him, you know. And again, yeah. he took he took the he took what Derek Lewis had to dish out, and he came back. And that that's really it's not you know like again it goes back to that old saying it's not how hard you get hit it's how you know hard you can go after you get hit hard you know and that's what he does man he just he's there to fight I think he has a great time in there and he's a dangerous cat because he's huge and he hits hard and he. He's hard to put away, and he and he's on just a great win streak, and it looks like he's matured into a, a really good fighter. Now I kind of want another Modelo. I got a nice oh, little man. buzz from the shoey. Well, I'm gonna go chug be, another beer here. This might so, be rough, Kenny. This might be rough. Oh, now he's patting, I, I, he always pat his forehead. No, this is bad. Yeah, no, this is actually bad. Put this one on the Emmy reel, Cody. This episode, okay. Um. <laughs> All right, so we want to get to Jared Cannonier and Derek Brunson and the entire middleweight division, but I do want to get your thoughts on the main event. Um, I think you thought the fight was closer than certainly Kenny did. Uh, so what, what did you think of the main event, and uh, ultimately how did you score it? 
No, I, look, I think um, I think Adesanya won the fight, especially if you're looking at body language, who was kind of – it just – but it was close. It was a very competitive fight. I mean, I thought, to me, it almost came down to the jab of uh, Whitaker versus the leg kicks of Adesanya. I mean, he was popping his head back with that double jab repeatedly. And he went for the takedowns. Didn't really get much with him, but he made the guy work. Um, I, you know, I think the right guy won. But I, I, there's, there are people that think Whitaker won three, four, and five, and it's... I think if we went back, see, I'd love to just break down a fight and look at it. If well, we have the numbers for you, right? But when you talk about, you know, the aesthetic of him, like making the guy work with takedowns, that's not how you score. No, fights. I know. No, that's not. I'm just saying, but it was a close fight. He, yeah, he, no, I don't I, disagree. I and some of the numbers are exceedingly close. Um, yeah. And I'm and not I, trying to be argumentative, but we did get the numbers for you since you asked for them this morning. Yeah, so let yeah. me get you some of those. So. You know, one knockdown for Adesanya, none for Whitaker. Significant strikes, 79 to 59 for Adesanya. He also threw more, 169 to 136. Landed at a higher percentage. Um, landed more total strikes, 98 to 74. Threw more total strikes, 188 to 151. Whitaker, four for 10 on the takedowns. He was not credited with a single submission attempt, and he had three minutes and 40 seconds of ground control time. I got all the round-by-round round numbers as well. They were very close. They were very close. Round one was not close. No. Um, I think we all thought that Robert Whitaker was the busier, more, well, better fighter in round five. But again, he didn't land more strikes in round five. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, don't we'd know. have to really look. I'm telling you, but look, I'm, I'm saying the right guy won. That's not it. And I thought, you know, Israel knows how to fight long. He knows how to fight smart. He was definitely, yeah. he definitely looked like the guy. Like Whitaker had a hard time getting in on him. I mean, so Whitaker, I mean, you definitely won the fight. I'm just saying it. It was, it was very competitive and close. And um, you know, I, yeah. I I kind of feel bad for Whitaker because I I can't blame him for thinking he won the fight because nothing besides the knockdown, nothing really. Ha what happened to him? How bad was he hurt after the? You know, like nothing. It was a, it was close. I mean, I'm telling you, it was to me I. Look, the thing with the numbers, too, John, and I, I swear to God on this, I've gone back and looked at those numbers. They're not accurate. Well, I agree. A lot of times that... they're not accurate. So that's why I say I'd love to go back and look at even certain. I could I could pull certain fights where they say the guy landed 40 and there was like eight. I'm not joking. So I'm I agree with you there. It's a human being who's scoring it. The numbers yeah, are unofficial. I mean, Kenny would always sort of. Uh, Kenny fought for a world title three times. He's allowed to question the statistician, you oh, know, without um, a doubt. but I agree. Like, I, I don't think you can lean too much into the numbers. You know, we'd happen to have them for you because you were curious about them. But I think you're right. No, it's like, okay, let's and, go ahead. Yeah, go to head strikes. I mean, who do you think? I know. I know what the numbers say. Whitaker right. landed a couple more, but I don't remember Whitaker barely getting hit. I mean, that that jab was going. I mean, I wish he would have thrown the right hand behind like his corner was telling him but he definitely i mean he's popped that guy's head back three four five times with that jab and i don't remember him besides getting knocked down in the first round really having to deal with much besides the leg kicks i might be wrong on that you know but I, that's the way it looked to me like again i think the right guy won right um but i think that was i'm not really arguing when somebody says they think the other guy won that's i'm not saying like right, crazy right, right. or you know i think it was that type of fight but Either way, it uh, you know it, it was what it was. I don't I don't know, but I'd like to go back and really challenge the stats in a lot of fights 
not right. just that one. Well, and for us as commentators, and Kenny can speak to this too, calling strikes in real time and when both not guys easy. land simultaneously, not uh, it's not like we can go back and recall it. Although, Ken Flo, do you remember when we had to do that? That yes. one time? Yes. Right. So one time, I think it's okay to say this. The UFC lost the audio for an entire show that Kenny and I had called. Wow. And they needed us to go recall a show that had already happened. Uh, that, that's horrible, right? It was, it was wild. I mean, it was like, we had to be careful to not like pretend to call our shot. It's like, Ooh, right, watch right. For, I mean, that's watch gotta for be, Frank that's... Mears left hook coming up here in yeah, a yeah, moment. And difficult. then he knocks the guy out with it, you know, like you could play Nostradamus, you know, but no, yeah. it was like, um, I, and that was the time where I started saving all my notes. Cause I used to chuck everything. Cause I didn't want to cheat off my old notes or whatever. And then I had to like reprep the fight card. I was like, this is killing yeah. it. You know, if you know, you're listening, like, Kenny, wait, what your take on the fight was why. So I, I thought that Adesanya won four rounds to one. I thought those, some of those rounds were close. Um, but I, I thought that, you know, when you have a guy in Adesanya who really was uh, leading the dance, it was Whitaker that was circling, backing up repeatedly, which yeah. didn't look good. I didn't think um, he held enough control on the ground to say that he won those rounds. I think if it was a lot closer or if it was even in the striking department and then Whitaker did something like that, I would say then you can kind of give him the round. I just didn't think that he was as effective. And you know, landing a jab, you know, out of all the strikes, you know, which what what is maybe the weakest of the strikes? The jab for the most part, you know, yeah, generally yeah. speaking. Yep. So I didn't think he did enough damage. Uh, I did think there was there was a decent amount of damage on the leg of Whitaker. It was pretty beat up. He wasn't moving the same. Um, and I don't know. It, it seemed like Adesanya was a little more aggressive. You, head damage on Whitaker, you could pull up four or five clips of him getting hit with a combination or you think Yeah, I thought. I thought, yeah, I thought Adesanya was landing that right hand, actually. Now, like, on some of the exchanges, uh, I would see a, a nice jab from, uh, from, from no, from Whitaker. And then yeah. I would see Adesanya kind of return with, like, a one-two kind of combination, which I thought was a little bit more effective. So I, I just thought he was a little bit busier overall. Yeah. I thought he was the one kind of pursuing the fight, whereas Whitaker was backing up and circling yeah. uh, for 90% of that fight. So, yeah, I yeah, thought it was I, pretty I clear for Adesanya, a you know? Aesthetic, aesthetically... Israel 100% looked like the winner. He, like, I think if he would have lost, he would have been totally confused. Right. Yeah, you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. Whereas I, I just think yeah. it was it was closer than – it was competitive fight. That's what I said. It was competitive. Yeah. You know, you know it's funny because, you know, I was texting with Ia Quinton. He's like, uh, I thought Cannonier was the lock of the night for me. Right? So I, I picked uh, Cannonier, and then after the first round, I was like, holy crap, this ain't looking good. Then he won, and they – he calls up because he's watching with his friends. What do you think about the next one? I picked two of Asa. Yeah. And he won. Then he goes, I go, he goes, what What about the next one? Because, yeah, his friend's at his house. I'm like, I'm quitting while I'm ahead. And he goes, <laughs> you can't do that. So I go, okay, it's going to go to distance. Does that count? And he goes, nope. Why? Well, <laughs> and then I go, the all right, I'm leaning, I go, I'm leaning towards Whitaker. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, you. Wh why did you like Ty to Ivasa? I, I just thought he's in there to fight, and he is like again. It's like when you looked at like the Beast and Engano, they don't want to engage unless they're the bully, right? You know that that was the thing. I knew this guy was going to walk in there. He would take yeah. a couple, give a couple, and that that to me was the difference. That's the way I looked at it, you know. So you were convicted on Cannoneer, and 
I thought he looked great. I mean, obviously the first round didn't go his way, but as he said to Daniel Cormier, that has sort of been the case for him as a middleweight. But uh, he did everything Sean Strickland didn't. If you want to criticize the Strickland performance, I thought it was fine, but you get a finish, you get a title shot. He's going to get a title fight in June. Right. Um, right. I don't know how you guys handicap Kananir Adesanya, but Ray, first your thoughts on, on Jared's performance. And then if you could spin it forward for the title fight. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, phenomenal. Look, Izzy's a hard puzzle to solve. Uh, well, hold on, Al. Come here for a second. Look, is that raging Al? Guest. I mean, wait up. Wow, this is star power. This yeah, is not say, just the special guest. Do. This is what we do. Here. Hey, oh, yeah, wait, hold on, Al. Tell them who was on fire last night. My friends, my friends wouldn't leave. We would, they wouldn't leave him alone. It's amazing. <laughs> I can't. Oh, there we go. Yeah. yeah. What he got? The first one was uh, Cannoneer. Cannoneer. So I did I did my picks. I was like, Ray, I'm gonna do the picks. He goes, Cannoneer's a lock. <laughs> and I kind of thought what happened with Brunson could have happened though throughout the whole fight. So I, I didn't right. I didn't bring it up on the when I did my picks on the Instagram. And then sure enough, Cannoneer comes oh, back. Man. I told my friends they're like, Who's Ray got in the next one? Who's Ray got in the next one? Every single <laughs> That uh, was fun. It was uh, hey, actually so, uh, makes the night a lot more fun. I'd be I don't think I've called the Derek Brunson fight correctly, whether he's going to win or lose since like 2014. He's like the hardest. Like when I think he's going to lose for sure, he he upsets, and then when I think he's going to win, he loses. I, I don't know. Uh, but uh, inconsistent, hard, hard guy to figure out. I don't know. Hey yeah, Al, yeah. were you watching? Al, were you watching when Casey O'Neill flipped off the crowd? Loved it. So when that happens, are you thinking like my Instagram is about to blow the fuck up and they're going to repurpose the clip of you being like, hey, Virginia, you guys booing me? Fuck you. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, uh, are you thinking in that moment like everybody's going to all of a sudden or were you not thinking the people are going to immediately tie your two stories together? Uh, it happened like right away. I don't even think yeah. I had time to think about it. I, right, was, right. I had some people over we were playing pool. We were kind of I was like, I didn't it didn't. I wasn't watching that closely, but yeah. then once I watched it, I really figured out what was going on. Is yeah, yeah. I'm always tied to people that uh, lash back at the crowd. Yeah, that's awesome. Right. Good, it's awesome. Hey, good times. I mean, I could keep you here all day, but before I let you go, if I was looking for a small house in Stamford, Connecticut, is that outside of your range? You no, ain't gonna get me. We got, we got, we got, we got, we got, you got me. Stamford, 100. All right, we got all right, you. all right. Absolutely. Right. Did uh, did my friend get the internship? So we're that is going to be determined on ne next week's show, but he's in the final four. I mean, at, at the very least, he's in the final four. You fucking nailed that cameo. <laughs> Only because of you. Only because of you, by the way. Yeah, and we got we got we got all the financing set up with you, Joe Spinelli, Gold Coast <laughs> Finance. The guy's the best. You're set, all right. John. All right, I You're love it. Get treated like a king. Trust 100%, me. Absolutely. All right. Hey, Al. Great to see your face, man. Thanks, you too, brother. guys. Take care. Raging Al. Yeah, yeah Alphonse. I mean, how great is that? That's what we do down here. We work out, we scream at everybody, we go nuts. That's amazing. young. If you don't know, when Ally Quinto won a decision, I believe, was it against Jorge Masvidal? Yeah, 100% Virginia. And I went in to interview him, and the crowd was booing the decision, and Al was like, I fought my ass off in here. You guys booing me? You know, fuck you. And it was so legendary, and I was so happy to be in there. And uh, Boy, John, it was new. You were new, kind of new at that fairly, point, right? Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Poor guy's got PTSD now. <laughs> uh, but, of course, everybody was uh, repurposing that. Um, hey, why don't we stick on Casey O'Neill for a second, shall yeah. we? So 
she wins a split decision against Roxanne Modafferi. Statistically, it was a historic beating, at least as far as the women's <laughs> flyweight division is concerned. But our man Rob Alexander, who is actually a rocket scientist per journalist Aaron Bronstetter, um, he got up to take a piss and they needed a score. And he's just like, fuck it, give it to Roxy. But no, he had it for uh, for Roxanne Modafferi. <laughs> <laughs> welcome welcome to my world i hope it feels good oh i know i know poor casey o'neill but look I play, first off roxanne monteferi what a what a sweetheart what i mean just refused to quit she made she made it a you know a, a game fight you know but um what a career she's had too i think i i didn't think she'd even get this far based on like maybe five or eight years ago but right you know, she never quit. That's the that's the bottom line. She just yeah. kept going forward, and her personality is just she's a sweetheart, and she's the best. You know, I if I want ratings, best. maybe I should talk shit about Roxanne Modafferi, right? Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Nobody talks. No, that would be yeah. a, that would be a bad public. Uh, movie of course, bad. no, it's a joke. She is she's an absolute sweetheart, and I'm so happy for her and her fiance Chris Roman. She comes comes over to the broadcast booth and is like. Thanking, I mean, she is just yeah. You uh, can't, but yeah. she's a sweetheart. Look, I, I, and for uh, I wouldn't you just love to hear the judge's explanation? Is that asking too much? Can we just get anything? He doesn't judge a lot of mixed martial arts. I'm not even sure he. I mean, well, I, I mean, print... I think the last thing he judged was turtle racing, but I'm <laughs> not sure. I have the scoring and the judging criteria, all that stuff printed with me at all times when I call fights, right? It's like I can't even commit that stuff to memory no, no matter how much I review it. And I wonder sometimes if these guys are, uh, are reviewing it, you know? And I do think for Sal D'Amato, who I respect a lot, it had to be hard walking into the arena after scoring the Sean Strickland fight for Jack Hermanson, you know? Um, because I think some doubt has to creep in when the entire sport is telling you that you're uh, – you know, and then if you're right, Ray, like get on a podium and just say what you saw. Like, I, you know, I don't know. I think but. I really I always said this from the beginning. I think that would really help us understand what's going on a little bit better. You know what I mean? I don't want to hear. Look, we know I know Big John understands the rules. You know, he, he was part of writing him and all of that stuff. I want to hear from the I don't want to hear from him. I, he, yeah. He's he's got a cup. I want to hear from right. the actual judges, yep. you know. Yep. And because he goes easy on those guys, too, because I guess he was a judge. So, Kenny, know. speaking yep. of uh, officials and Ray, I want to get your thoughts on this. The way, for example, Herb Dean and Dan Mergliata handle clinch situations up against the fence. Right. Right. So Joe Rogan and I and maybe Kenny's aligned with us on this. We believe there never should be a referee intervention on the fence. Now, I know it makes the sport less exciting. Right. But it's like, get yourself out of there. And the inconsistency with the referees and how they handle these situations is mind numbing. And there's a historical pattern now. So, you know, that Herb Dean who happens to roll uh, is going to let them work on the fence. And you know, that Dan Mergliata um, is going to, I don't want to say overreact to the fans. I love Dan. He's a great dude, but like, you know, you know, Dan, like Ty Tuivas and Derek up against the fence. If you don't have much time guys, you know, and it's like, let them right. work a little bit. Like, I don't know, Kenny, how you feel about it, but it's just like, there's gotta be more consistency. Well, wait, let me just say hand. one thing, Kenny, too. The, the yeah. key thing you said is reacting to the fans. And I think you're a hundred percent on that. There's certain guys that are going to react because they can't take the pressure of that. And there's certain guys that are just going to do what they do and let the fight play out. You know, uh, I think it's very difficult because you do have to sell the sport 
And that, you know, so there is a little bit of that in there just to get eyeballs on the sport. Like if you were just coming to the, if you were just, that was your first fight and you see two guys on the cage for five minutes, there's, there's a good chance you're not coming back if not much is going on. So yeah. does that make a right or wrong? No, but I yeah. think they're dealing with a lot of stuff and they want to grow the sport and they want to make it exciting because you know the deal. I mean, sometimes those slobber knockers, everybody loves them. There's not a technical thing in there. You know what I mean? It's crazy. So good luck with that one. Yeah, I'll say, listen, I think if the fighters are nullifying each other, there should be a break in the action. I think Mergliata doesn't really let them work for very long at all. It's like three to five seconds, then <laughs> in a clinch, and he separates. It's like, no, dude, let him work a little bit. Let them try to do something first, right? Um, so I think it's the same thing if two strikers are supposedly trying to stay on their feet, but they're circling yeah. for 60 seconds without doing anything. A ref needs to step in there too and go. What are you guys doing? Do you guys want to fight right, or right, right. you got to make them? So it's the same idea. If they if two fighters are neutralizing each other, whether it's in grappling or in striking, you you got to push the action, separate them, give them a talk, get them together. But if they're in the clinch and they're throwing knees and punches and working a takedown, let them work. Let it play out. Yeah. If that guy's staying busy, they should stay on the cage. That's it. You know. Yeah. 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 yeah you could run a clock on it. You know, fifteen seconds and nothing get them off of there, something like that. But, yeah. you know, guys are foot stomping their knee and it's annoying as shit, but they are doing something. Right. All right. You know. Um. So what do you do with Bobby Green at this point after a dominating win over Nasrat Hakparas? And Kenny, I, you know, I'm curious if you if you talk to Faraz Sahabi, you know, I got to think this is a frustrating loss because I feel like they think they have something in Nasrat, but there's yeah. been a lot of circumstances and injuries and loss in his personal life and everything else. And, you know, he's not making excuses, but then it sounds like he is a little bit with some injuries. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, this one's about Bobby Green. But I expected a better effort from Nasrat, to be sure. Yeah. You know, what I'm seeing from Bobby Green is he, he does a great job of getting guys to fight his fight, right? And, and, and the way that he moves, he's very unorthodox. So, you know, it's difficult to get training partners who kind of move like him and act like him. And, you know, he's very good at getting in your head and talking to you while you're fighting and, you know, similar to a Nate Diaz. But, um, you know, the, the way that he moves and, and rolls with punches is really pretty to watch, man. He's an awesome fighter. He's very underrated. Uh, and he's making a lot of guys uh, look bad, man. And I think yeah. Nasrat um, just was not landing and then uh, defensively had nothing to offer Bobby Green. I mean, Bobby could have sat there and maybe thrown one punch. Each of the, if he decided to just jab that whole fight, he would have pieced Nasrat up yeah. just the same. And yeah. he just he did not have an answer to the jab. And because of that, Bobby was just letting everything roll off of those jabs, start going to the body, uppercuts, hooks. Um, and he was looking pretty nasty, man. Bobby Green is uh, a really good fighter, fun to watch. And uh, for Nasrat, he hasn't fulfilled that potential because, like you said, I heard the same stories out of TriStar. This is the guy. He could be the next big thing. I haven't seen him develop. Um, and uh, it's been underwhelming, largely, uh, yeah, a lot of his yeah. performances. Yeah, well, look, for Nazareth, man, you know what the, the lesson to, Kenny? Yeah, you you get, you get got to keep your hands up, but you can't just keep them up. you got to still right. carry and roll. He just was like this. There was no movement trying to, but, you know, it just, it was a bad look. Bobby Green, can't say enough good things about him. I think that what a great performance. And, John, I'm 100% with you. Give the guy a, a main event. Give him a five-rounder. I think he'll break a lot of people down because he, like Kenny says, he rolls. He's very, he fights long. He keeps those one twos right down the middle. Uh, 
he's a problem. He's a problem. You know, he's got great wrestling, and uh, I, I say he deserves a main event immediately. Yeah, I, I mean, I, he's I like still that. only he's still only thirty five years old, and you know, given his record, I think it's a big ask to think he would rise to the top five or, or win a world championship, right? But when you think about a career milestone of, of getting a UFC main event, you know, our guy, Alan Joban, I know would have liked to get a UFC main event before yeah. his career was said and done. And uh, nice that Vicente Luque is getting a main event, main event, Muhammad, all of a sudden, right? It's like, I like seeing guys, especially guys who have a style that could play well over those rounds to get it. So, um, so Joe, hopefully Bobby green's going to give anybody a fit. Anybody. Yeah. I don't well, think hopefully, uh, I don't think there's a guy in that division that's rolling through him. I really don't. A lot of people, uh, after I pushed that tweet, I was saying maybe Tony Ferguson. I think Brad Riddell makes some sense, but some people think maybe that um, that they wouldn't give Riddell a main event right now. But I, I don't know. I'd like to see Riddell and uh, and Bobby Green. Um, another win for Andre Arlovsky. Uh, Kyler Phillips, I thought looked outstanding. Carlos Alberg with a disciplined effort. All right, Ray, we're gonna. Uh, we're going to let you go. You got anything else for us, man, before we let you uh, get back to your side? Are you watching the Super Bowl tonight? Uh, no, that'd be, I, no, I have a wake tonight, but I, I, I might. There, there's a chance I might end up at a party. So I'm not. Why would I want to? I'm not. Dude, I haven't slept since the pay-per-view. I asked you if you're watching the Super Bowl, and you deadpan that you have a wake tonight. I'm not trying I mean, to allow what am I gonna do? for your loss. I'll be happier at the wake, too. That's the bad news, <laughs> you know? But uh, wait, hold on. So, so this uh, Friday and Saturday, I got six guys fighting, or okay. maybe more. Four at the Ring of Combat, and uh, I got two guys fighting in Bellator the next night. So, um, can I ask you who has the highest profile fight of the bunch, or is that not a fair question? Or you want to just shout out a couple names in case their families are listening? Well, we got Aviv Gozali at Bellator, the kid from Israel. He's undefeated. He's got. Okay. I think this will be his first test, uh, which should be interesting. Justin Montalvo. Always a crowd favorite, the body snatcher. Yep. We got uh, Dennis Bazooka, yep. James Gonzalez, uh, Lauren Brascia, Edwin Smart fighting at uh, the Ring of Combat. So it's a big weekend. Uh, and because of this, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you my COVID story. Nobody believes I had COVID, so I have to go where I, I can't go to both fights. It's This, this shit's got to stop, man. Are you but, kidding me? Yeah, I said, well, what if I take the antibody test to prove? No. No good. Oh. Like nothing's good. Like what Unreal. are you worried about? I mean, I I feel bad for people that can't think outside the box and they just it's Scared. I don't want to say stupid, but it's definitely yeah. unintelligent. You yeah. know, what I mean it's just horrible. I just fear's yeah. crazy, man. Fear's a crazy yeah. thing. You know, so huh. yeah. whatever. Yeah. So I can't even prove I had COVID because they don't take the rapid yeah. test and they won't take a, yeah. a what do you uh, call it? A an antibody test. So yeah. I walked into the airport this morning without a mask on and then was reminded that, you know, I just totally out of practice, you know, my guard. No, 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 it's, it, no, it's scary. I need there. my I, guard when I was coming, yeah, yeah, when I was coming back from Texas, I mean, I was walking this start, social distancing. <laughs> I'm like, what? No, horrible. Right, right. You know, and I was like, wow, this is a little, you know, a little weird. And then 10 minutes later, she's screaming at the security guard, you know, like, I'm having an anxiety attack. I, I'm, the world is, John, the oh, world I'm telling is up, you, the world is upside down. Yeah, well, Cody's writing, LOL, Texas don't care. And that couldn't be further from the truth, right? I go to the Rockets game without a mask with Michael Chiesa. And I got to sit actually on the floor uh, before Beautiful. Daniel Cormier arrived. Nice. And, um, and they asked me where my mask was. I was like, oh, I don't have. And they're like, well, then you got to just like, keep drinking i'm like okay i'll just keep yeah. my drink up you know really? yeah they were, that, they were they were they were knocking balls in something. texas so to them that means something 
Yeah, I don't know. Just, yeah, I, when I take a flight, I just put the water bottle like this. I don't even. Yeah, move. I bet you do the whole time. But in Florida, sporting events, you know, mask mandates are being lifted. New Jersey, Nevada. Um, my kids don't have to wear a mask, and yet they're like don't want to be the first to take it off, so they're still wearing masks to school, even though their parents are not right. making them. To each his own, right? I guess you know it's like. I try not to mask shame anyone. It's like, never mind no, mask no. shaming your own kids. It's like, Riley, like, really? You want to? Okay, baby. You want to wear this? Go ahead. <laughs> oh, well, listen, they could come out tomorrow and say, mask, it's a proven fact. Masks are absolutely useless. And there'll still be 10 people in the car with their masks on. It's <laughs> not changing. That's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. They did such a good job of putting the fear of God in everybody that yeah. even being told, they'll say that that's, they won't even believe the science. Yeah, it, it doesn't even matter. Yeah, but, but whatever it is, I, whatever they want to do. I mean, you know, Japan, they've been doing the mass. Even when I got Suzuki, Mizuki, if they're not feeling good, they walk in with a mass. That's five years ago. Right. It is what it is. Well, I no, mean, that's sure. but that's see, that's a different thing. Right. Like, I do believe that, like, I will get less sick annually if when i'm on an airplane for 25 ufc live events a year that i wear a mask you know like certainly i think it stands to reason that maybe i'd catch a cold or a flu or two less a year you know um hey, look, maybe it's the, just as long as it's not a cloth mask year. right i haven't been right. sick in years yeah all right hey have a great haircut have a great sunday wish you all the best what <laughs> what Right, you're forcing the haircut agenda. You just said you're getting a haircut tomorrow. Did you not say that off the top of the show? He did. What? He did say that. I'm forcing. You said you're getting a haircut. Yeah, right? I might have to get it now, though. I'm, I feel like you're hair shaming me now. I might have to call, I, uh, the, call the girl and tell her we got to do it today. John Anik doesn't like my hair. Or grow it out. She's like, who is John Anik? Yeah. Uh, uh, everybody knows who John Anik is. Don't pull that card. All right, guys, listen, enjoy the Super Bowl tonight. And really, what you should do tonight, you should watch it on your knees. Try that. Watch the whole game on your knees. I want a video of that. Take it easy, guys. I'm out of here. Hey, uh, look at that. What a way to go out. Uh, Who wants me to put my Colin Kaepernick? Wow. Wow. Ray Longo so Minute fun. every week here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. To that end, we bring on our executive producer, Cody Merrow, for the pronunciation of the week. And I don't want to keep all that. Brian Petrie waiting. It's good to see your shining face. Real quick, how'd you score Whitaker out of Sonya? Uh, four one. Is he? All right. Um. All right. Pronunciation. Oh, of, okay. Pronunciation of the week. First time in the history of the show, Ken Flo. This is a repeat name because oh. our analysts just cannot get it right. Okay. And this weekend, I just it's it's tricky, man. You know, he's fighting Joaquin Buckley. He's a knockout artist. What's his name, Cody? So people are having trouble with Abdul Razak Al Hassan. <laughs> Let's hear uh, Razak Al Hassan. Abdul Razak Al Hassan. Kenny, that's Al-Hassan. spot on. Abdul Razak Al Hassan. But there's three names I guess you could screw up. But people say Al Hassan. You know, Abdul Razak Al Hassan. And if you say it 50 times, it'll be committed to memory. All right, Cody. So what else going on? He's out of here. All right. All right. All right. Um, We're going to get to the main event challenge. I'm going to update the standings, and then we're going to call on uh, the fine handicapper, Brian Petrie. But Ken Flo has the lead. Um, It's minus 7.4 units, minus 5.4 units.
units. So you have a two-unit lead. Um, Bobby Green was a big prediction for you this weekend. All right, let's get to the main event challenge, shall we? It's the main event challenge. And the time is most definitely Florian. I finished fights. I'm going to do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, well, he is Brian Petrie from the MMA Takes Podcast, and he now joins us for the main event challenge. So, uh, yeah, Nasrat Hackpress, man, you know, a little bit underwhelming. I mean, all hail Bobby Green. I hope he gets a main event. I've been praising him for the last yes. 24 hours, but um, you did pick Nasrat. What did you mm-hmm. think about his effort and defeat there? You know, I was, I, I, you know, I completely misread it. I mean, King Green is is unbelievable. Um, and, and I should have known the confidence. I mean, the, he's always been brimming with confidence, but coming from the Al fight to this fight, I mean, it's it's a different guy. I mean, he was not shy about anything. And Nasrat does have good hands, but he was stuck in mud at times. And you know, his defensive, you know, his defensive striking is very high. But you, you guys nailed. It. He just stood there like this, and it's like you know, you yeah. got to move your head. Got to, you know, especially with Bobby. Bobby can throw. 800 punches a fight. He doesn't get tired. Right. Uh, I, I would like to see him mix it up more. I know, uh, I think Ali came out and said he had a broken hand, broken foot. So he had some injuries going on in that fight. But yeah, I misread that completely. Kenny got me on that one. Uh, upset. I didn't have any money on it. I had a, a, I had a fight go, uh, uh, um, excuse me, Hapress win by decision just because that was the best value in my point because right. I didn't think a finish was going to happen. But yeah, right. Bobby looked great. And I couldn't agree more. I like to see a main event. Gregor Gillespie. Would be very Ooh, interesting I like that. Big event. Yeah, that's that's a Good fight I've been seeing. Yeah. So broken uh, hand, broken foot. Broken hand, broken foot. I didn't hear that. That's uh, what Ali I saw on Twitter. The fight though. You know, it's like yeah, right. Yeah. Oh, I get it. Right. Yeah. I don't know. All right. All right. We have four predictions here today. Uh let us start with the aforementioned Abdul Razak Al Hassan plus one thirty, the underdog here, taking on Joaquin Buckley, who's minus one fifty. So Buckley's last seven fights, win or lose have all ended by knockout. He's goes going for a fourth win in his last five here, uh, and he'll do so, Brian, as the favorite. Who do you like in this one? This is a tough spot. This is a tough spot for, I think, both guys. I mean, Hassan is a 70. He you know, missed weight a few times. He had a lot going on in his life personally, which is actually a really crazy story. Comes back, misses weight, doesn't seem there, right? You know, Very distracted, understandably, because of what he's got going on. Then he gets to Chikyo at, uh, at, at uh, excuse me, Malkun at, at 185 first time. Right. You know, everyone thought it was a layoff for Ahasan because Malcoon's coming off the loss to Phil Hawes with a knockout in like 15 seconds. And Malcoon's just grimy, dirty, grinding oh, him yeah. down and proved like, hey, listen, I'm not just Robert Whitaker's buddy. I'm going to fucking take huh. him down. And uh, Alhassan just looked out of sorts, and then he rebounds well against the with a with a nice head kick. The guy's got big power. I mean, absurd power. And so does Buckley, for that matter. But Buckley, I think, has a little more roundedness to him. I see him grappling a little bit more. I like that he's in Vegas now as well. I don't know if it's full-time, but I saw some pictures of him in Vegas, getting some new bodies, getting some new looks. Uh, again, I think they're both, you know, Buckley's not the biggest 85 or like height wise. He is pretty bricked up, pretty good cardio for being a yeah. guy that's pretty bricked up. Um, and the one thing I like what Buckley did is when he came to the UFC, he came with his head on fire. I mean, it was like a month, took a fight, month, took right, a fight, right. two months, took a fight, another month, took a fight. Within those, he got knocked out. You got to let your brain rest. And he took eight months off. Now this one's five months off. I think that's really smart as a, as a young guy coming in. I know he's wants to be aggressive, wants to fight all the time. That's great. But let's rest that fucking brain a little bit. I like yeah. Buckley here. Uh, I think Buckley's going to win by decision. I think Al Hassan's going to be a little bit gun shy. I think Buckley can, uh, Buckley can mix up some wrestling if he wants to. Power's obviously going to be there. Buckley is a little chinny uh, at times, but if you know Hassan, Al Hassan is a fucking stud. So maybe if you want to sprinkle in a little bit of knockout on Hassan, that's fine. But my pick is Buckley minus one eighty, or excuse me, was it minus one fifty? Doesn't scare me off. I think that's a good number for him, and, and I like him win by decision. 
All right, Brian likes Joaquin Buckley, minus 150, the favorite. Ken, flow your thoughts. Yeah, don't have a whole lot to add. Um, I, I do think Al Hassan uh, is, a, is more of a proper middleweight here. Um, you know, Buckley, maybe a little bit undersized, but uh, I, I do agree with Brian that he's the more well-rounded guy. I, I like Buckley here as well. All right, moving on to the lightweights. Nicholas Moda, minus 180 against Jim Miller, who is plus 155. So Miller making his UFC record 39. UFC appearance, and I can assure you he's not going to stop at 40. He wants to fight at UFC 300, fought at UFC 100 and UFC 200. So Moda making his UFC debut after it was twice delayed in 2021, and he's getting a lot of respect from, from the odds makers here, Brian. Yeah, Nicholas Moda's an interesting guy. You know, he, he was on the Brazilian Ultimate Fighter years ago, and he's like 21, 22, didn't win it. Got a contender series shot. Looked pretty good. Um, he's your classic Nova Nungau, you, uh, Nova Nungau guy. He, he's aggressive. He's Good cardio, well coached, good with the hands. Um, but Jim Miller, I mean, who the fuck doesn't like this guy? Uh-huh. I like to meet someone that doesn't like him. I mean, that is right. absolutely, I mean, he's he's right. the best. He's awesome. And I think he does really well against strikers, against new coming strikers. I mean, Dana White contender series guys, when they're making their debut in the UFC, typically, unless you're like this, the next guy, you're not really lighting the world on fire. And he's, and Moda's getting a tough, Tough test with Jim Miller. Miller usually struggles with the guys like the Vince Pichels, who's going to be dirty, grimy, get you down. But with strikers, Miller looks pretty good. He's a black belt on the ground. He's aggressive. He's got arm bars. He's got rear naked chokes. He's got guillotines. He's good striker, crafty southpaw. I like Jim Miller here by sub. He's my pick. I like him as an underdog as well. Uh, can't go all chalk. Got to throw some dog right, I like in it. There. I like it. And that's Jimmy Miller. So uh, give me Miller all by right. sub. Jim Miller plus 155. Ken Flo, who has more haters, Jim Miller or Roxanne Modafferi? No, we just oh, need gosh. to Yeah. <laughs> Listen, um, you know, I, I definitely think Miller Miller can win this fight. You know, um, I, I think Mota, though, uh, is a dangerous striker. He can be uh, hurt with shots as well. I don't think Miller is necessarily the guy to kind of knock him out on the feet necessarily. If Miller gets it done, you know, as Brian kind of alluded to, uh, he can most likely get it done on the ground. Is he able to take it there? I don't know. I, I think Mota, you know, has some decent takedown defense. You know, obviously a lot of the uh, guys at Novo and Yale uh, have some good anti-wrestling, uh, interestingly enough, for the most part. And um, I, I like Mota here. Uh, I think, uh, you know, youth is certainly on his side here. Yeah. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I think he, he does show some flashes of brilliance on the feet. Uh, let, let's go with Mota. All right, this fight card has undergone some changes. So the co-main event is Kyle Dawkins, modest 225 against Jamie Pickett, plus 190. This fight at a catch weight of 195 pounds. Dawkins has had some tough luck in the UFC, right? He's been on this show, four UFC fights, just one win to show for it. No contest against Kevin Holland was the most recent fight back in early October. Uh, and he was to face Julian Marquez here. Marquez is out due to injury, I believe. Uh, so in steps Jamie Pickett who has won a couple in a row after a uh, pretty rough UFC start. Brian Petrie, you going Dawkins or Pickett here? I like this fight. I like this fight as a 195 because Pickett's coming off a, a pretty quick turnaround here. Might as well not cut all that weight. I like Pickett's story. You know, tried off the – or excuse me, the contender series three times, finally got it. It's from one of my second favorite cities in the world, Wilmington, North Carolina. So go. I kind of respect that. He's a hardworking guy. Um, the thing is, but Kyle Dawkins is interesting. He's one, two, and one in the UFC. He's getting a co-main here. You know, he was supposed to fight Roman Delice a while ago. He was supposed to fight Julian Marquez. Guys can't really hold up. And, I, and then uh, – the, the Kevin Holland fight's a, a travesty on his record. I, I think he should have won that fight. Right. Um, and he was looking great. But, you know, Dawkins, you know, is there something in the water in Philly? Those Wawa hoagies? These Philly <laughs> guys 
are so good. You got Paul Felder, the Iron Lung. You got Sean Brady. You got the Dawkins Bros. Jeremiah Wells last night. Philly. Right. And then, obviously, the legend Eddie Alvarez coming from Philly. These Philly guys are really starting to make a run here, and I like it. Kyle Dawkins is really smooth on the ground. The most impressive fight to me was the Brennan Allen loss. He looks so smooth. Yep. The transitions are great. The striking is great. I think he's going to take pick it down. He's, he's, he's durable on the feet. Who can take a shot. He's good in the clinch. I think Dawkins can take him down a sub. So give me Dawkins by submission. Ken Flo, Kyle Dawkins, Jamie Pickett. Who do you like? Yeah, I, I think uh, Pickett is, you know, good all the way around, but there's nothing that really stands out for me. Uh, for Dawkins, I, I do think his grappling shines brightest uh, out of his game, but he can strike as well. So I, I think uh, Dawkins has more ways to win here. Uh, I like Kyle uh, for the win. All right, so the main event was to be Rafael Dos Anjos against Rafael Faziv. Faziv having issues with his visa, a little bit delayed. That now becomes the co-main event March 5 at UFC 272, and it will be five rounds, by the way. That means the new main event spotlight belongs to light heavyweights Jamal Hill, minus 250 the favorite against Johnny Walker, plus 200. All right, so Jamal Hill here, Brian, off the biggest win of his career, and that was a big one, no doubt yep. about it, against the highly touted Jimmy Crute, statement-making knockout in 48 seconds, and that came on the heels of his first pro loss. Johnny Walker, of course, the main event experience against Tiago Santos over five rounds. That was a main event loss last October. Who do you think emerges out of this one, BP? I like this fight. I like this fight. It's a good replacement. 205 is interesting right now. It's been weak for a little bit, but there's some guys in there that are really piquing my interest. Jamal Hill is one of them. I mean, the guy's swagger and confidence is unbelievable. Yeah. I think that might have got him in trouble a little bit against Paul Craig because he's like, I'm fine here. And then his fucking elbow snaps. That's going to happen when you go to the ground with Paul Craig. But his power is big. He's got brick attached to his hands, and it's unassuming because he's kind of a wiry, skinny guy. But knocking out Jimmy Crude is, is a big deal. That dude's a, that dude's a bullhead. He's tough. Um, Johnny Walker lit the world on fire coming in UFC three knockouts or three finishes. I think they're all were knockouts. And then he kind of, you know, he went on a nice little, uh, horrible skit there. And then he had the one win in those four fights was Ryan span. But I mean, span gave that away. Ryan, what are you doing? He had him on yeah. skates and he shot a takedown. But, right. uh, I think Johnny Walker now at SGB, no knock on Kavanaugh or anything like that, but what are the bodies he's training with? I thought he looked very pedestrian in the Tiago Santos fight. It looked like he was fighting not to get knocked out, not to lose. Like I'm okay with losing the decision because Santos is just, you know, a fucking legend and he's, you know, a killer in this division. I think Jamal Hill is going to steamroll him here. I think Jamal Hill is going to win by KO probably early. Jamal Hill is fast. He's aggressive. He's confident. He's not afraid of Walker. And I just think Walker without the flashy stuff, I think a lot of his techniques are a little just okay. Like he needs to get a little creative if he wants something to happen. I think that if he does that, I think it's going to play in Jamal Hill's hands, who's long, lanky, and can fucking crack. So give me Jamal Hill by KL. Very confident in that pick. Really nicely done on that main event prediction, my friend. Uh, Kempfo, what do you think about the main event? Yeah, excellent breakdowns there, Brian. I I agree. I I think that Johnny Walker is most dangerous early on. Uh, so, so is Jamal for that matter. But I think that's where Hill really has to be careful. Uh, he can't just throw down against Johnny Walker. And Johnny Walker also has this tendency of showing almost everything he has in like the first minute. He'll throw like every strike that he knows, everything, every trick up his sleeve. He kind of just shows it right off the bat. And Jamal is kind of more of a computer. He's a thinking fighter, whereas you know Johnny Walker is, is more physical. Um, and, and because of that, I, I like Hill here. I, I just think he's slicker, um, may not look as intimidating as a Johnny Walker, but man, is he technical? He's super loose with his strikes. He believes in his game. He's a true martial artist, in my opinion. Um, I, I like his composure. I like his approach. 
a little setback there against Craig, but right back on track with a beautiful knockout in his last one. So uh, Hill, I, I like him to win. And I also think he's a fighter to watch in that division as well. I think so too. Big spot for Jamal Hill this weekend. Good stuff from the fellas in the main event challenge. Brian, if people want more of your content and candidly, why would they not? Uh, where do they get that? Uh, MMA takes podcast. We're on Apple. We're on iTunes or Apple, iTunes, Spotify. I'm heavy on Twitter as well. That's my preferred uh, platform. So just follow me on there. Like more, right, man. Yeah. And hey, go Bengals, baby. Who I day? know, man. I'll be thinking Thank about you. you. I did a shoey on the program earlier today and yeah. I'll drink another Modelo out of a beer on next week's program. If uh, your Cincinnati Bengals win. Today. I love so, it. I and love I'll it. Save Let's it go. for the main event challenge. All right, buddy. We'll talk Bye. to you next week. All right. See ya. Thank you guys. All right. There he is, Brian Petrie, with us for the main event challenge. James James Krause will be back at some point in time. But, man, Brian Petrie fucking bringing it the last couple weeks here. Um, All right, don't forget, remember the show. All of those replays uh, for Bilal and Jason's podcast on this channel are there for your viewing pleasure. Um, They'll have a new live episode this Thursday. Anaflooringpodcast.com for your merchandise. Also, one more sleep merch can be had. At millions.co, don't forget the Kenny Florian Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Essentials. What's the website? KennyFlorianMartialArts.com? You got it, dude. And, oh. and, and hey, if they if they put uh, AF fifteen, you'll get fifteen percent off. Look at this guy. Yeah. So there Look you at go. This guy, there man. you go. I'm gonna give AF, you a coupon code. AF fifteen. Asking you shall receive. Yes. Ken Flo is always closing. <laughs> KennyFlorinMartialArts.com, and you get fifteen percent off for just listening to this podcast. Don't forget the Ring of Combat stuff with Ray Long. I just drop it so he can like. Say Justin Montavo and Aviv Ghazali and Dennis yeah, anyone Bezuka with a vowel at the know. end of their name, yeah. he, he kills it. Yeah, exactly. Like, here's your quiz Can you tell us the names of the fighters you're cornering this week? <laughs> all right, that's going to do it. Uh, thank you all for listening. For our executive producer, Cody Merrill and Ken Flom, John Anik, we appreciate your support very much. And we'll talk to you next week uh, to see who emerges between Jamal Hill and Johnny Walker. And then we got another event, I'm sure, the following week. Oh, yeah, Islam Akashev and Benil Daryush. Big things coming. We'll talk to you in less than seven days. Until then, yo fucking later. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. So when you are at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets you bogged down and you may feel a touch overwhelmed. Perhaps you're not showing up the way that you would like to. I can certainly relate. You know, there's a phrase in the song, there's no business like show business, and it says there's no people like show people. They smile when they are low. And for me, being in the public eye has been challenging, at least in terms of always projecting happiness when perhaps that's not how I'm feeling. Well, whatever your situation, working with a therapist can help you get closer to the best version of you. And when you feel empowered, you're more prepared to take on everything that life throws your way. For me, it's imperative that I'm my best self in order to just perform at a high level. And when I don't feel that way, BetterHelp is a great option and a great resource for therapy. It's convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. You just fill out a brief questionnaire. That gets you matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch out anytime for no additional charge if you're not happy. For me, I'm on the road about 119 years, so being able to connect with someone remotely was absolutely huge for me. And my mindset really candidly has changed for the better. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Florian today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Florian. 
I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckel SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.